The Video Nasty's Moments examine the films behind the scare by Christopher A. Brown. Using notes on the podcast and additional information from the media at the time, the Video Nasty's podcast host, Christopher Brown, publishes a book looking at all the 72 films on the Nasty's list and their impact on society. Read cuttings from the media scare stories, find out the stories behind the movie makers, and delve further into the grimy world of the decade's greatest moral panic. Each of the films is covered in detail, along with trivia, reviews, expert opinion, and a taste of the controversial scenes each contain. The Video Nasty's Moments is available in hardback, paperback, EPUB, and Kindle. Go to videonastiespodcast.com forward slash book to get your copy now. Do you want to see zombie flesh eaters on the big screen? To celebrate the end of the Video Nasties podcast and the launch of the Video Nasties Moment book, we're teaming up with Picturehouse at Fact and our screen to offer you the chance to see Lucio Fulci's classic film on November 7th. Our screen lets you pick the film and if you get enough people to reserve a ticket, host your own screening. For zombie flesh eaters to happen, we need 33 people to reserve a ticket by November 2nd. Everybody who attends will receive a free copy of the Video Nasties Moment book in ebook or Kindle format. Go to rscreen.com now and search for Zombie Flesh Eaters to reserve your seat. Tickets cost £9. Whatever it is, it makes the dead stand up and walk. Hello everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Tom. And we host The Strange and Deadly Show, a brand new podcast launching on the 24th of October 2014. You might be wondering why this podcast is of any interest to you. Well, Tom? We're good friends with Chris Brown, the host of this very show you're listening to now, and we're taking up the mantle of discussing the Section 3 films which are related to the Video Nasties cover two films on every episode and for the time being we've a specific theme for each one. That's right, on our very first episode we cover two cannibal films, on the second we discuss two features from David Cronenberg, all of these choices taken from that section three list. It's a fast and fresh new show with plenty of rambling and humour but at the core of the listening experience is two friends talking about movies they might love, hate or fall somewhere in between on. We can't wait to get going. So, if you'd like to check us out when we launch, it's The Strange and Deadly Show. Our premiere episode arrives on the 24th of October, and you'll be able to find us at www.strangeanddeadly.com. You'll also be able to subscribe to us on iTunes and on your podcatcher of choice, and you can talk to us at twitter.com forward slash strangedeadly, that's strangedeadly, no and, or at one of our personal Twitter accounts. I'm at twitter.com forward slash thegoreboy. And I'm at twitter.com slash grindhousetom. Thanks, guys. We can't wait to meet you. The 2015 Night Gallery podcast and Video Nasty's podcast host, Christopher Brown, will start on a new project. 
History of Horror podcast will examine films from the dawn of cinema right through to modern day. There'll be information about the history of film across the globe and a look at what makes us scared around the world. Go to videonastiespodcast.com or follow Christopher on Twitter at orange underscore monkey for developments and information of when the new podcast will begin. And now our feature presentation. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you ever seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Hello there, and welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. So this is our last film on the list, and um, it is, uh, well, it kind of ticks some boxes for what makes a video nasty. It features a killer with a love of power tools. The Driller Killer is as entrenched in the legend of the Video Nasties list as Cannibal Holocaust is. It sums up the period perfectly while providing ammunition to both sides of the censorship debate. The film, a gory, aggressive art house movie, was banned, not for its scenes of violence, but for rather how it was sold. At the start of the panic, the driller killer, with its bold title and a video cover featuring a man having his head drilled in, was part of the catalyst that launched the scare in the first place. Its notoriety, notoriety, remains to this day, tarnishing a film which is really a, de- a descent into madness rather than a slasher movie. Horror films don't tend to start with their protagonists heading into church to try and find some meaning in their lives, nor do they take 40 minutes setting up a crumbling and dangerous world. The murders, much like an American Psycho, could even be read as being mainly in the fractured mind of its main character. This film, Abel Ferrara's first mainstream movie starts a career which has taken him to work with people like Christopher Walken in King of New York and Harvey Keitel in Bad Lieutenant. Ferrara's film comes rough around the edges, but it's a fully formed in its artistic vision. But it's his love for grindhouse stylings and dirt and decay that led him straight into trouble. Jimmy Lane as Reno Miller, a man driven to the very edge. And then beyond. The driller killer is coming, 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 coming. Just a wonder. In New York, a painter, Reno Miller, played by Abel Ferrara himself, under the Susan Jimmy Lane, shares a loft with his girlfriend, Carol, who's played by Carolyn Mars, who left her husband, Stephen, and, the, and he also lives with a roommate called Pamela, who's played by Baby Day. Reno is in pieces psychologically. He has no money, 
can't pay his bills, and obsessed with a large canvas painting he's trying to finish. A punk pan move into the building and won't stop playing, and Reno, sleep-deprived and crazy, loses it and starts murdering the homeless. His art dealer calls his painting rubbish, and his girlfriend leaves him. And at that stage, Reno really starts to lose his way. I want it right there. Where? You want to put a hole right here? Yeah. All right. Right there? Yeah. Okay. Holy Christ, man. What is this? What they do? Send us to build a massive square garden? You mean the masterpiece isn't finished yet, Mr. Mullen? Almost. We need another week. It's finished. I mean, you know we need the money, so why don't you face up to it? We'll take it. It's great. It's two in the morning, guys. Driller Killer is a very low-budget, independent feature with a cast of unknown actors. It was produced by Ferraro's own uh, Navarone Films Company. It had to be filmed in both 1977 and 78 because it was made with limited funds. Ferraro had little control over the shoot, meaning that you can spot that hairstyles frequently change between shots. And to keep costs down, it was filmed in 16mm and uses Ferrara's own apartment. That said, despite its grungy aesthetic, it contains similar tropes to what would fill his films later, including Catholic iconography, redemption, urban decay. It could easily be paired with his later effort, Badly Tenant, in fact, showing two sides of a, a very similar coin. The film was written by regular Ferrara collaborator Nicholas St. John. He was born as Nicodemo Oliveiro, and he's a writer and actor known really for King of New York, The Funeral, and uh, Ferrara's own take on Body Snatchers. Over time, he became disenfranchised with the work he was creating with Ferrara, though, and said, Harvey Keitel and Abel ask very, very tough questions. My problem is the answers. And if I'm not able to give an answer which I believe in 100%, I cannot do it. And that's why I opted not to work on Bad Lieutenant, basically for Christological reasons. It said he's become a teacher and now works under his birth name. Forever. 
Jay Scott of the Toronto Globe and Mail claims every so often the limits of screen acting are redefined and expanded. Harvey Keitel has given the kind of performance a generation is defined by. I don't know if they're still wearing the rounds in that or what. Bruce Williamson of Playboy calls it a dark morality play with shock value to spare. Bad Lieutenant spells out themes of hypocrisy and sexual obsession with the intensity of a nightmare. Just put $120,000 on tomorrow's game. This guy will come by your house and blow your house up with your wife and kids and everybody in it. You know, good, right? No one can kill me. I'm blessed. Jamie Bernard of the New York Post exults. Skillful and unforgettable, Keitel does some amazing work. There's nothing to think about. Either you put in my bed or you get nothing. Roger Ebert of At The Movie says, Bad Lieutenant is my own choice as the best discovery of the Cannes Film Festival. Come on, give us a break. You do something for me, and I'll do something for you. What do you say about that? Peter Travers of Rolling Stone magazine claims Harvey Keitel whacks you like the business end of a Louisville slugger. It's a powerhouse performance in a film of jabbing intensity and wit. Bad Lieutenant. What else you say, Mr. Badass Pill? The film was released theatrically in America without any real controversy or noise in 1979. In the United Kingdom, however, the reaction to the video release was very different. In 82, UK distributors of Driller Killer, Vipco, took out a full-page advertisement in a number of movie magazines showing the video's cover. That cover depicted a man being drilled through the forehead by the said Driller Killer. The tagline for the advertising in the video box was, There are those who kill violently. The advertising resulted in a large number of complaints to the Advertising Standards Agency and opposition to the film from the press and elsewhere. It's mentioned a number of times and the cover is seen on many, on, on many of the news articles at the time as an example of how grim and grimy these films can be. It would, it would appear, however, that a lot of people who actually complained about it, particularly to the Advertising Standards Agency, did so uh, based on little opinion apart from the poster and the title. For I was born in the Bronx and raised Catholic, which had a later uh, uh, effect on much of his work. At 15, he moved to uh, Peekskill uh, in Westchester, New York. He attended the film's conservatory at Sunny Purchase, where he directed several films. Soon finding himself out of work, he moved to direct pornography. His first film, film proper was a porno titled Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy in 1976, which starred his then-girlfriend. Interviewed by The Guardian in 2010, he recalled having to step in front of the camera. It's bad enough paying a guy $200 to fuck your girlfriend, then he can't even get it up. In 2007, it was announced that the film would be remade by British filmmaker Andrew Jones. It was supposed that this new version of the film would also feature many cameos and original music score. The remake would have moved the setting from New York to London and starred David Hess. Andrew Jones contacted Baby Day to help co-produce and have a small acting role in the film. 
The title was designated to be Driller Killer Redux. The project came to halt after a financial deal between the executive producers and the two people who held the rights to the original movie could not be reached. The title is mentioned in the song Nasty by the Damned, a song about horror movies that were banned in the UK after the video recordings out of 84. According to Mike Bohr, the principal examiner at the British Board of Film Classification, the Driller Killer was almost single-handedly responsible for video recordings at 84. According to Brad Stevens, author of the biography of Honorable Farah, the banning of the film was almost entirely due to that film's cover. What happened was a shortened version, missing six minutes of non-violent scene, was released by Vipco in February 82. It was one of the iconic early batch of video nasties which were banned in July 1983 and listed in the Daily Mail. It stayed on the list throughout the panic, which was one of the collectible films. It remained banned in the UK until 1999, when it was past 18 with 54 seconds of pre-cuts. It's been past 18 on course ever since, uh, and there's uh, the ILC Prime DVD of 2002. The film has slipped out of US copyright, so it was available on many different formats and allowed for free digital download and is currently streaming on the Video Nasties website from a, a YouTube file. So if you want to go and check it out, you can do from there. So, that's the end of our list. Um, Drill Killer's a funny one, really, because it's... Um, it kind of... It, it, I think when I started the list, and one of the reasons why I put it at the end was it kind of summed up a little bit of a, the, the, my feelings on how the list was created and how people felt about it. So you've got, um, you know, Driller Killer and, um, you know, it's kind of a, a great, it's meant to, you know, it's quite grotty and grimy, but it is almost entirely falls apart because, only because of its, um, only because of it, how it's you know how it's seen you know with its video cover and it's that obviously incredibly iconic video cover. I mean, it's it kind of sums up the period a little bit for me. As does the Cannibal Holocaust one. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of cool. Um, it's only when you get to the end you kind of realise that what you're really doing is just finishing off on an art house film. <laughs> but. Um, I mean, I, I, first time I watched it was probably um, that DVD release in truth in the 90s. I hadn't seen it before. Um, 99 with its 54 seconds of cuts, though I wasn't sure. I didn't know they were at those cuts at the time. And um, I remember being, you know, I remember just thinking that it was so different to how I imagined it would be and how I'd been, you know, obviously blatantly be misinformed and um, they'd told you know I'd been told these things simply out of hype I suppose and um, how disappointed well I would say I wasn't disappointed because I enjoy the film I find it um, interesting and exciting and and uh, genuinely like you know it feels quite dangerous but I don't know how much of that is me imposing on it and how much of that is you know Ferrara's own skills and, and what he's managed to achieve 
a little bit of feedback from uh, Rob Wilson. Uh, regular re- re- regular still now he he, he has uh, been watching along and, and frequently uh, gives his opinions and that's wonderful and I do always you know feedback really helps I think saves it me just being me talking to you about what I think and um, it's it's always been valuable so thank you for this first Rob he says hey Chris been a while since I watched this one thought I'd give it a second viewing I posted the review on Facebook. Last of the movies covered on the Video Nasties podcast is 1979's Driller Killer. Starving artist Reno, played by the film's director Abel Ferrara, is becoming unhinged. Maybe killing some homeless people will help. I originally watched this movie a decade ago. It didn't do much for me. My reaction now is only slightly better. I think Taxi Driver meets Toolbox Murders. Reno has had enough. What with his roommates who are lesbians and not have money and the shitty punk band play, practicing next door non-stop. The Good. Abel's performance is alright, uh, there's a few scenes where you can roll your eyes back, a few scares, uh, scenes where Abel's eating, they were easily the grossest parts of the movie, uh, the music was mostly really good, the film also has a few well placed shots. The bad, most of the acting stank, uh, the punk band sucked, it didn't help the long scenes with the band playing. I don't hate this movie, I think it's quite alright, but not, not, it's not on Netflix, it's on YouTube. A DVD commentary from the director. He seems a bit wasted. Thought that was really entertaining. I thought, yeah, I mean, Abel, Jesus Christ, he's been he's been, he's been on and off. He, there was a, a lengthy period when he didn't do anything uh, because he was kind of struggling with stuff. But anyway, it was. I know there's one more show, but I can't believe it's really over. Your nasty friend, Rob. Yep, one more to go. Uh, thanks very much for that, Rob. As I said, thank you so much for your feedback throughout um, throughout the shows. Um, been really good and um and you know really means a lot actually um yes there is one more to go um if you've read my book you'll probably guess what that chapter is which kind of rattles through um basically the what it meant to uk censorship so we're going to touch on things like child's play three and hungerford massacre um and then kind of say where we are now i suppose um if you have any uh, nostalgia for any of this, if you've got any feelings on it, if you think I've been massively wrong and a prick for the last two years, but you've been soldiering on listening to me, now's the time to chime in. Um, this is your last chance to send feedback in and get your opinion across. My uh, email address is videonastiespodcast at gmail.com My uh, Twitter, it's at orange underscore monkey and you can go to the website which is videonastiespodcast.com and leave any comments on any of the articles which is what, how Rob frequently gets in contact with me which is which is great um, as well as that uh, yeah, as I said, um, there's a couple more announcements, uh, if you heard the adverts at the beginning, rather than just race through to the, uh, the, the bangs, the clongs of the d- d- Driller Killers actual theme entrance theme, which is a uh, Soundtracked the last uh, the last two years. Um, two things. One is obviously a lot of people asking what I'm going to do next. The answer is I'm moving house next, uh, and then I'm going to do a, a history, basically spanning well more than 100 years of cinema and horror cinema from 1910s Frankenstein, really, through to the, our video on demand days now and how that has changed how horror films are made, uh, how 
the internet has changed how we view horror um, and what makes people scared throughout the world. That's the plan anyway. Uh, I'm, but I can't give you a start date on that yet because I just don't know. Uh, I haven't written any of it yet. <laughs> either, so, you know. Um, and also, if you go to... Uh, the other biggie is, uh, obviously, um, people asked whether I'd be doing the uh, Section 3 DPP list, and the answer to that is no, I'm not. Um, but I know somebody who is. Uh, Strange and Deadly Show, podcast show, is launching uh, on uh, the beginning... Well, the end of October. Uh, I think it's the 24th of October. And uh, I've listened to it. And I feature a bit, a little bit, a little bit. There's a, there's an interesting anecdote at the beginning, which I didn't know about. Um, and, uh, that's my computer randomly beeping at me. And, um, if you go to, yeah, if you go to either, uh, if you go to the Strange and Deadly show Twitter feed, which is at Strange Deadly, um, they've got a website, but I don't think it's up and running yet. It's strangedeadly.com. Uh, and you can go there and you can, uh, yeah, and they, they, it's a, it's, the first show is cracking and it's out soon. So, uh, listen out for that. So, yeah, uh, next week, um, no more films, ran out of films now. Um, we're going to talk about, um, what happens next, what happened next, and how the video nasties, uh, changed the way horror is seen in the UK. So, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. That's tomorrow. They're going to come and turn it off tomorrow. Turn it off, huh?